Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 117, There Began to Be a Division. Hello, friends. It's been a while. It's been a few weeks, and it's good to be back. I love it. I love the opportunity to just have some quiet time to be able to speak with you about Christ. And I appreciate you finding me and listening to this episode. I, I just appreciate you listening when I am able to create an episode and then giving me the space and not making it mean anything when I can't. Just like your household, we're, we're learning how to adjust. We're learning how to do change and how to adapt. We're going to be so good by the end of this year at adapting, right? No week is ever the same. <laughs> sometimes schools are in, sometimes they're not. Sometimes we're homeschooling, sometimes we're in public education. It, we just are, we're all over the place. Sometimes we are able to gather with friends. Right now we're not. And so we're doing that again. We're trying to do it more with thankful hearts. Thank goodness for this season. Hubby is still working from home. So just a lot of adjusting. Church, learning how to do Zoom church, learning how to do Zoom lessons. Just a whole bunch of adjusting. I told my young women in a text the other day that I am bound and determined to be like the Who's in Whoville. <laughs> that Dr. Seuss how the Grinch Stole Christmas book. I'm just determined. I don't care if the Grinch of COVID takes everything away. I am determined to still ex- know how to express my love to others in a social distanced manner, in a safe manner. But I'm just determined. I hope you are too. To, t- to help you, Sister Scriptorians, if you, if you don't follow the Instagram or the Facebook page. I am not great at social media. That is that is my confession. But last week, I started a Let God Prevail video series in which we take past conference messages and we learn how we can apply those messages to our day-to-day. So it's not just listening to a talk and feeling inspired by it and feeling all the good feels, but it's learning how to practice how do we know if we're letting God prevail? How, what does that look like? How do we know if we're doing it right? How do we know if we're letting him prevail or if we're prevailing and we're just pushing him to the side? If those are all the questions that you had as President Nelson was speaking about such a powerful message as asking us to let God prevail in our lives, then I hope you'll tune, tune into this video series. I would love for you to watch it and to comment. Let me know what you think. Let me know what your ideas are. Let me know how these messages are true and making a difference in your life. It's definitely a way to express Thanksgiving at this time of year, but to also just, I don't know, be like the who's and who feel that we will not let COVID prevail. We will not let chaos and anger prevail. We will let God prevail and then to learn how to do that. Okay, so we're in Mosiah chapter 19 and where it's kind of shifting the focus back to the people 
of Noah. Remember, in the previous chapter, we had been talking about Alma's people, and they were a people who were a part of Noah's kingdom, and they were a part of the people who may not have repented the first time that Abinadi spoke, or the second time. But there, in the courts of Noah, when Abinadi is about to lose his life, there is a priest, one of the priests of Noah, named Alma, who is listening to Abinadi, and he knows that Abinadi is speaking truth. He is well aware of the iniquities of the people. And he believes the prophecies that Abinadi is making about concerning the people, what will happen to the people. And Alma asks Noah to just let Abinadi depart. Just let him go. But instead of letting Abinadi go, Noah wants to capture Alma. And so Alma escapes and he goes and he hides in the, by the waters of Mormon, remember, in a thicket there. And I'm sure carefully would sneak into the city to teach the people the words of Abinadi. And he would gather them and they would come to the waters of Mormon and hear him. And when it became the desires of their hearts to repent and to covenant with God to serve him and to obey his commandments, Alma then baptizes the people. And so then they now take on a new name when they stand apart from Noah's people. They are the people of the Lord. And just in the fashion of the Lord, he warns his people not too soon (laughs) Not to avoid completely any distress, but in the nick of time, King Noah discovers a movement among his people, and he sends his servants to go watch and see what's happening, and he learns that it was Alma that was gathering people, and he assumed that Alma was stirring up the people to rebel against him. So Noah sent his army to destroy them. Do you see that? That paranoia, that jealousy of his power and so his solution is to go and destroy what is happening there but having been apprised of the situation of noah's coming army the people of the lord took their tents and their families and they departed into the wilderness but i treasure how these people are described these 450 souls who are now walking uprightly before the lord they're looking after one another They're uniting their hearts in unity and eliminating contention amongst themselves. They're observing the Sabbath day and they are worshiping the Lord. They are relying upon the grace of God so that they can wax strong, not in money, not in things, not in power, but in the spirit. And all of this are their devotions that symbolize the covenant that they made with God. And it permitted them to be called children of God, the church of God, the people of the Lord. And that takes us to chapter 19, where the army of Noah is returning, not being able to find the people of the Lord, because the Lord took care of his people in his timing. But when everything was right and ready, when they were able to gather 450 souls, which I'm sure didn't happen overnight, where they were able to be baptized and Alma was able to organize the church, where repentance and change of heart was able to be made. They had enough time to gather those 450 souls. And then he was able to lead them away. 
He, they were led to safety, escaping the chaos that is about to go down with the people of Noah. Now the remainder, the overwhelming majority of the people of Noah, didn't repent of their iniquities. In this moment of time, they're relying upon their own strength. The Spirit of the Lord appears also to have withdrawn its influence as well. And how can I say that? We look at that the people are now left to defend themselves with a reduced army. The people are now experiencing a lot of disharmony of of how to be governed. And for whatever reason, a lesser part of the people began to breathe out threats against Noah. But right when a man named Gideon, who we'll hear about more in later verses, right when Gideon, who's representing this minority, is about to overtake Noah, Noah sees a Lamanite army and it's coming towards the city. And Noah pleads with Gideon to spare him so that he can help his people. But we know that Noah is not that altruistic of a leader. And and Gideon lets him go. And now the people of Noah are in a panic. And just like us, when we are reacting, when that natural man in us is reacting to our circumstances, when we aren't tapped into the spirit of the Lord, but we are reacting The people now are in a state of fight, flight, or freeze. And King Noah, he desires to flee. And the people followed. He had them follow them with their women and their children. Yet behind them, the Lamanites are pursuing them. And the Lamanites begin to slay them. And in order to flee more quickly, Noah commands that all the men leave their families and flee with him. In the moment of heightened danger and need, King Noah abandons his people and commands their men to protect him and to leave the most vulnerable behind to the Lamanites. And amazingly enough, there were some men who did just that. And after a period of time of following him and protecting him, the men desired, I guess maybe they had like a moment to think, Maybe they had a moment of clarity and thought, what are we doing? And the men desired to return back to their families, but the king commanded them not to. So now instead of continuing to flee with the king, the men switched to fight. And just like Abinadi had prophesied, just like he said would happen, the men caused that Noah should suffer even unto death by fire. Now, I haven't mentioned them yet, but of course, amongst this group of men were the priests of Noah. And when they saw what was happening to Noah, they fled into the forest and the men were not able to get a hold of them. All of these leaders of the people were more concerned about their self-preservation. They didn't even take into consideration their wives and their children and their safety. And these men who killed the king by fire, returned back to their homes, making the choice that if their families had perished, they would fight until they perished. But what did they find? What about the other men? The men who chose not to leave their families, but instead face danger. It appears at first that these men might have frozen, that they froze there in the forests. They weren't fighting, and they had stopped their flight 
And now they stood before the Lamanites who, for whatever reason, had come upon them at this time, desiring to conquer or destroy them. And for many years and many readings, I've sort of judged this group of men as well. I've seen them as freezing. And then there's verse 13 that says, Those who tarried with their wives and their children caused that their fair daughters should stand forth and plead with the Lamanites that they should not slay them. And I've seen this as these men sacrificing their daughters, putting their daughters in danger and using them. But I want to repent. I want to change my mind. I want to look at this in a different direction. Because this time as I read, this time as I just paused and I appreciated these men, these were men who stayed behind. These were men who decided, I'll sacrifice myself to protect my families. These were men who said no to a tyrant. And included in this group of men was a good man named Limhi, who was the son of Noah. He told his dad no. He didn't follow his dad. Limhi knew the iniquities of his father, and he didn't follow his father as his father Noah fled deeper into the wilderness. Limhi decided to face his enemy. And it was also men who, during all the chaos, during all the danger, during all the adrenaline rushing through their bodies, that they stopped fleeing. And they didn't fight. And instead of looking at them as if they're freezing, I asked, what if they stood firm? Wouldn't that be a harder choice during this experience? Isn't that the choice that would allow some heavenly direction to come to pass? Especially when the spirit most likely had been withdrawn from them because of their iniquities. And definitely the natural man in them is absolutely and completely leading the way during all of this. But what if presenting their fair daughters wasn't so much to ignite lust in the heart of the Lamanites? But what if it was an attempt to connect? What if it was to de-escalate the situation? What if it was to remind the Lamanites that they had something in common? Here in the wilderness, the Nephites stood submitting themselves to the Lamanites in groups of families. And having their fair daughter stand forth and plead for their lives was to connect with the Lamanites on something they valued. Because this week I remembered that in Jacob chapter 3, he had instructed the Nephites and warned them about assuming that they were more favored by the Lord than the Lamanites. He opened their eyes to their own iniquities by reminding them how much the Lamanites valued their families how they were loyal to their wives and they loved their children. Could these Nephites who chose to stand before their enemies, could they have been attempting to bring humanity into the carnage, to slow it down, reminding the Lamanites of what they value and showing the Lamanites that the Nephites also loved their families? The pleading of the Nephite daughters worked. (laughs) The Lamanites had compassion on them. That's the word that's used. 
compassion. They were charmed by the beauty of the women, and the Lamanites granted them their lives. They could go back to their land, back to their homes, together in families, back to safety. And life is going to be difficult. This is just the beginning of their troubles, as now they will be an occupied people. However, they are being put on the right path. They're journeying back to the Lord. And I don't know if they knew this at the time. I don't know if this was anyone's intention, but that is exactly what's going to happen because they chose to stand and no longer flee from their enemies. This was going to be a journey for sure for this group of Nephites. Iniquity had caused a division between themselves and God. A group of people who had chosen to repent had been divided. There was a division between themselves and a prophet of God, between themselves and the king, and also between themselves. But out of that group, but out of that list of divisions, there is one division that I choose to be a part of every day. And I know it's a division that you're choosing as well. That through our covenants and our desire to serve God and to keep his commandments, through our united desire to learn the word of God as well, these desires of ours qualify us to be called the children of God or to be called the people of God. And remember, the Lord protects his people. So instead of following a wicked king, we choose to follow the king of kings where the people of Noah relied upon their army to protect them, even though this army had been greatly reduced, we rely upon the power and mercy of God to deliver us. Instead of dividing ourselves from one another, we're choosing to figure out through our ministerings, we are choosing to knit our hearts together in our faith and eliminate contentions with one another. Instead of accepting contention in our midst that intoxicates our senses and can even offer a solution up such as murder in order to be able to eliminate problems, we turn to the doctrine of Jesus Christ. We exercise faith in him. We repent and change direction, seeking for a new view of God, a new view of ourselves, and a new view of the world making and keeping covenants and learning to listen to the Holy Ghost as ways to fortify ourselves and to create unity in our solutions so that when our prophet speaks, we are already unified with him and we can feel the truth of his words. When the people of Noah appealed to the carnal by giving into their anger and offering threats to control living with contention, embracing selfishness, appealing to their carnal appetites, and choosing to fight or flee out of self-preservation. We, like the people of Alma, appeal to the Spirit who teaches us to stand, to make covenants, to unify and experience the peace, kindness, and direction that heaven is giving us. Life and death aren't our limits. No, we're focused on eternal life. And we're not an occupied people. 
we are free in the kingdom of God. The people of Alma were free, and the Lord was there for them, just like he is for us, directing us right when we need it, so that the world will search in vain for us, but he will lead us along step by step. I hope you can see that in your life. These next few chapters, what comes to my mind as I've studied them is eliminating contention, eliminating that spirit that causes division and produces confusion and learning how to let God prevail. Sister Scriptorians, I invite you to join me on Instagram and Facebook for our Let God Prevail series, where we take conference messages and we learn how we can apply them and practice them today. Learn how you can let God prevail in your lives by following His teachings and counsel.